is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Continue to talk rivalry football. Let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. It's no mystery. Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at smartrain.net. Former Ute Christian Cox with us here on the big show. What's up, Christian? What's going on, Jake? What's going on, Gordon? We're hanging in. It's rivalry week, man. I know. It's exciting, right? Is it not? It is exciting, and uh, you know, let's let's start here. Utah's won nine consecutive. Uh, do you think that's uh, that's had an impact on, I don't know, the buzz around the rivalry? Uh, I, listen, I, I think it's it's impacted that things have shifted since what 2012, I think, or 2011 is when the the first season. Listen, I'm the barometer. I was the last team to lose to BYU, so it was 2009. Say that so it's been a lot. Pride. It's been a lot of years and a lot of games in a row. So um, it, it's apparent things have changed. Things have shifted since the whether you want to accept it or not. It still is the holy war. It still is the rivalry. But you got to admit that things shifted when the programs chose to go different directions. BYU chose independence. Utah went to Pac-12, and uh, I think it's. Listen, I think the build-up for Saturday. It's getting bigger and bigger because of the hiatus as well. So it's going to be a fun game. And uh, for me, I think I've shared this with you guys before, like Kalani, Aaron Roderick offered me my first scholarship uh, under Gary Anderson at Southern Utah in 2003. Kevin Kloon was my linebacker coach at Southern Utah before Gary went and took a job with Urban Meyer. And, uh, you know, like all the coaches at BYU, I, I respect. I love them. They're great guys. They coached me at Utah. Uh, but, you know, Utah has a way of just coming out and, and uh, playing really well. And uh, it's because of Kyle. And you guys have heard me tell this story over and over. You know, back in 2009 when we lost, I never saw Kyle more viscerally upset and angry. I think his wife it, took some uh, verbal blows in the stands and, he basically said, we'll never lose to these guys again. And, you know, lo and behold, that's what's happened. So since you're uh, okay, former Ute, like you were saying, you played for him, you felt that emotion that comes with it. But with your uh, more sort of uh, nuanced view through your experiences, now that you're a mature man and you have these relationships on both sides, uh, how do you feel about it? I mean, are you as fired up as ever, or do you just look around and say, hey, these are all human beings I like. I really don't care who wins. Yeah, I, listen, I, I'm I'm as through and through, like, the University of Utah changed my life, like, changed my career, right? It gave me a chance to pursue my dreams and find a way to the NFL and, you know, meet my wife and have my kids. And, you know, that's because Kyle created an, an atmosphere and opportunity for growth. Uh, Kyle is one of the all-time greatest coaches, right? Uh, he's similar to like a Lavelle. Uh, I also grew up in the state. I also grew up watching the whack. Um, people don't know this, but my cousin played on the 96 Cotton Bowl team with Steve Sarkeesian. He was a lineman. And so I grew up watching BYU games. I saw Lavelle. Uh, but for me, when I was in high school and as I got older, you know, Utah was kind of like Britton Covey. Like, Utah was the opportunity for me to progress, and those doors opened. And, uh, you know, you meet certain coaches that change your life, and I met all of those. And uh, the program that Kyle's built and Sharif and Morgan and Lewis Powell and Sione Puha and the tradition at Utah, I genuinely i am rooting for Utah. Do I admire and look at, you know, players from the Y and, like, Brady Christensen was a former Bountiful High alum. 
Max Tooley, uh, you know, he's a he's a bound high alum. I, I root for him, but I want Utah to come out on top. I'd love to see it 10, 10 straight wins and to take a little two-year hiatus. Uh, obviously, in the business world, uh, all I, I worked for a tech company that was based in Provo, so I had to stare at the Y all the time, and it's you couldn't predict that the the winning streak would go this long, and you just you hope that it can continue to go on. And why it has gone on is is really just just talent and and depth is really what Utah has been able to secure over this last decade. Does BYU got a shot? Absolutely. So they got a shot every year, 100. Uh, percent But when it comes down to it, Utah has just proven in the last nine games that they win the turnover battle and they make the the final plays to win the game. So the last time BYU won, you mentioned you were playing in that game, um, and uh, Gordon and I played the Max Hall post-game rant earlier in the show. Uh, I, I've never heard anything like it before or since. Uh, what, as, as somebody who played in the game, what did you think when you heard all that? Uh, do you, what do you want? What do you guys want? Do you want unfiltered because rivalry week, or do you want like politically correct? <laughs> no, no, no. Let us have it. I, I would say, for me, in, in my, my, my view has shifted, okay? 2009 was a different time, right? That's that's 12 years ago, right? As a young, uh, immature person, Max Hall only threw for like 130 yards that game. He had a horrible game. If you actually look at stats, uh, you can you you can call me on it. We kicked five field goals. Uh, Joe Phillips kicked five field goals. We didn't convert on touchdowns. Jordan went out. We just didn't score touchdowns, and that's why I went to double OT. The way we lost. Obviously, with you know Sly and Joe Dell, who Joe Dell's at Weber State, they collided, and it's a it's a it's a tough loss. Uh, the comments were just they're erratic. Um, they I, I bet Max would even admit you know he was out of line at the time. Uh, you know there was this level of hypocrisy that comes you know from down south that you know I, I personally didn't love from the you know the, the BYU athletics. I don't think that's the same as it is today, uh, but you know, I I was impressed. I will say I watched a whole hour of a Max Hall YouTube. And you can go find it about his journey post football and the way he's changed, the way he is today. And like I, I respect the guy now for who he is now. And sometimes we make boneheaded, terrible mistakes when we're young and fired up and irrational. And that's what he did. He, he doesn't know who Kyle Whittingham is and. That actually just boils into the weirdness of Bronco and Kyle, right? The that whole dynamic, and Kyle's one of the best people in the whole world, and uh, runs a really good program. And BYU at the time was was running a really good program, and um, I'm good friends with David Nixon, United TV for a while together, and uh, you know, I when it was the whole Taysom Hill versus Hacker, it's your net, it's your son-in-law, it's your son-in-law, uh, Gordon. Tanner? Uh, yeah, the whole uh, t- uh, Tanner versus Taysom battle I had to cover, and I was like, BYU fans, you're being irrational. Taysom needs to finish out, and then Tanner will get his shot. When it was his freshman year versus, you know, uh, a banged-up uh, Taysom Hill. And so, for me, love Max Hall now. I hope he's doing well, but at the time, it's just it's just tomfoolery. See, that's why I like asking you questions about this stuff, uh, because – you do. I mean, <laughs> you you have an interest. You care. Obviously, you're rooting for the Utes to win. But but you understand. You, I mean, you have a point of view, I think, Christian, that uh, sort of embraces everyone. And I think that's the healthiest aspect to this rivalry. Now, Jake would probably disagree with me because you like the real aggressive stuff, right? Yeah, sure. I'm not talking Break about up. crazy stuff, but you you like the aggressive stuff. But Christian seems like a well-adjusted human being. <laughs> not that you're well, not, Jake. I, I don't mean to imply that. Uh, I'm certainly not well-adjusted. <laughs> no argument here. Is there a question Christian, in there yeah, for Christian? That's what Christian was wondering. Oh, I, just... <laughs> I think Jake's matured. Okay, well, I, thanks, Christian. I just, I'll just say, again, you know, my own perspective. This is what take it for what it's worth. It, it changed when Bronco went to Virginia. There was a level of disrespect that there was just this weirdness of the whole rivalry back in the Mountain West days, a level of arrogance that was just, I didn't, people didn't understand. And people, either you were a Bronco diehard or you didn't love Bronco's style, right? right? And um, 
So I, I just think there was a level of respect in the old rivalry between Mac and Lavelle. Like even growing up as a child, like was that not one of the coolest rivalries, <laughs> right? You know, the, you know, BYU being undefeated and Utah going on the road and being, you know, I think it were five and six that year and we're beating that Luke Staley to Brandon Doman team. Like there was just a level of respect and there was a decade of just weirdness. And Kyle was obviously a superior coach and has had a better staff and, for me, genuinely, Kalani brings a level of uh, attitude and, and love, but also accountability and um, newness to BYU. I think he's bringing his own flair to it. But he, when you've been when you've been coached by Lavelle Edwards, you naturally the coaching tree is real. You you try to pull all the good the good pieces of the tree and implement it into your own style and life. You make it your own. You're your own tree, but. I think that's what Kalani's done. He's grabbed a lot from Lavelle, a lot from Kyle, a lot from Gary Anderson, and then has his own flair. And all the coaches below him are, are the same way. And Betsy Sataki is a, a great receiver coach. Uh, he and I were on 4A, 5A All-Star games together and played college ball together. And Aaron's doing a great job as taking over as an OC. And listen, they got a tough schedule, but it's just the level of animosity isn't the same for me personally because I, I have personal connections and I want them to do well. But I, don't 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 get me wrong. I want Utah to win and I want them to win by you know twenty, and I want it to go ten games and then do a two year hiatus, beat Florida twice, and then come back and beat BYU for the next five years. See, the reason I like underscoring that is because it just makes sense to me, and it, because there's good people on both sides of this, and we need to think a little bit more. About that, in my opinion. Okay, so here's a question instead of commentary. <laughs> uh, Christian, what do you think? Give us a blueprint for what Utah has to do to win this game and what you expect BYU to try to do to win it. Yeah, I, I think the blueprint's pretty simple, and the blueprint's been proven the last nine games, and it's simple. You know, if you guys probably know this stat. This is me pulling it out of my rear end probably like 35 to 11 on turnover battle for Utah in favor. Like BYU just hasn't taken care of the ball in all of the games. You go back to the Vegas ball. I think, I think Tanner had a few, a bunch of turnovers uh, and Utah went up 35, seven roars and back, but every single game, whether it's the Jake heaps game in 2012 or 2013, uh, whether it was the Riley Nelson late field goal fiasco, there's always been turnovers that Utah has swung the game. And so I think with Mika Tafua, Devin Lloyd, and all the other defense, I think they'll come up with big plays. But the X factor this year that Utah's really never had is Charlie Brewer. This guy deals. This guy can throw. I said this weeks ago. Um, he's a different type of quarterback. Um, Travis Wilson was great uh, a lot of years ago with, with his legs and could make timely throws. And Utah's offense, you know, went on the road and beat BYU a lot of years ago. But I think Charlie Brewer, if he can limit his interceptions, he's, he makes really good decisions. They can control clock, turn the ball over. I think Utah can go on the road in a hostile environment and come out with a win. If they don't and they allow BYU to get some momentum, kind of like Arizona did early, I think there's going to be a problem. And the reason I say why Charlie Brewer is the, Brewer's the X factor is BYU's defense in general, go look how many passes Arizona completed. I think it was like 35 for 46. Uh, they kind of just play everything in front of you. They don't want to give up a big play. They're not playing man-to-man. Um, I think I think Charlie Brewer will pick them apart. And uh, I think that's the recipe for Utah to winning. So, Christian, I want to ask you about coaching. And I, I come from the school of thought uh, that there's more than one way to do things and more than one way to coach. Gordon thinks that everybody should just be a Nick Saban clone. I don't uh, no, I don't no, happen I, to believe no, that. But, I but well, I, you played for some great coaches. All right. Uh, you know, Coach Witt, of course, Coach Peace there at Utah. Anybody else at Utah, I know you played for a number of great coaches that you can throw in there. But you played for Bill Belichick. You know, possibly the best to ever do it at the pro level. I know you have mad uh, love for your high school coach, and his name's for, uh, escaping my mind at the moment. But yeah, Larry Wall. Yeah, yeah, Larry Wall. There you go. I know you think really highly of uh, of him as well. Is there any connective tissue for all the great coaches that you've played for, Christian, that, that you can identify that they all had this, or, or is it truly a different ways of doing things? No, I, this is, you know, hell, I should write a book, I guess. There there really is a thread that connects all of them, from Larry Wall to Kyle Whittingham, even Morgan Scally, Kalani, John Pease, 
uh, Bill Belichick, but people for, uh, like Brian Flores was my, my grad assistant type coach in 2011. They all have this level of humility, but command at the same time, right? When, when they speak, people listen. Uh, it's not with, it's not with force. If that makes sense, it's with respect and knowledge because they know what they're talking about. They've, they've proven over so many years of being successful and, and leading winning teams. The one thing I will say is it also takes a lot of years to be successful as a coach or even in your career. Uh, people forget about the, the Browns that Nick Saban and Bill Belichick coached together on, and they had a losing team, right? People forget about that. There's like four years of Nick Saban and Bill Belichick worked together in Cleveland. And all we see is the end result of, you know, six Super Bowls with New England and Bill had a bunch with the Jets or with the Giants. And obviously what Nick Saban's built uh, in Alabama is insane. But they've built these, just this, I don't know, this respect and culture and everyone is drawn to them, right? At least for Nick Saban, right? You have Lane Kiffin, who was a former, you know, USC coach who gets fired. is like, all right, where am I going to go? I'm going to go learn underneath the best. And it's the way he runs his program. And the way he runs his program is honestly very similar to the way Kyle is. Very regimented, very specific. And you, you play to our process and style. If you can't meet our standards, go transfer somewhere else. We're not going to adapt to you. And uh, I think that's one of the things I respect the most about Nick Saban, Kyle Whittingham, Bill Belichick. Some people may call it old school, right? but it has proven uh, successful in winning and building winning cultures and organizations. And Alabama is, you know, is obviously the, the market leader and the top dog and building just a, a juggernaut. And it's, it's pretty neat that, Hey, if you don't want to come compete, there's going to be a lot of people trying to vie for your position. If that's, you're not a, you're not a competitor and don't like to be the best. And if you are the best, you'll probably go to the NFL. We're not the school for you. You go somewhere else. You know, it's just, it's very clear. And competition is what, you know, the best competitors will play. And I think that's what Bill Belichick did at, at, in New England. Like Wes Welker was a walk-on, basically, undrafted free agent, failure in Miami. And uh, Julian Edelman was a seventh-round quarterback out of Kent State. So tell me they were the top draft pick and, and the, the best in skills. They're willing to compete and do it every single day. And I think that's what what's neat about football and coaching in general is, if you're willing to, to do things the right way and you have some skills, you don't have to have 100% of those skills developed, but at least 85% you show up, uh, you will be successful and get an opportunity. And that's that's that would be my take on all that. So what I'm hearing from you is that uh, personality and all that other stuff, it, it just can go out the window. It's about knowledge, application of that knowledge, uh, fairness, and expectation and organization. Yeah, yeah and, and just – and just command, like we, you know, a good leader, you know, a good, you guys can spot them out a million miles away. You know, someone you respect and the people you respect are people that have done it typically have put together amazing work, right? Whether it's an artist with things or it's a coach that has just continued to win. People don't like or respect people that are just overly, I'd say flamboyant or out there or boisterous with nothing behind it, with no follow through. Uh, coaches that have been successful and have command, you want to be like them and you'll listen to them and you'll take their wisdom and apply it is, is, is what I'd say. Yeah. How do you react? How do you react when you see coaches screaming their heads off and going crazy on the sideline? Well, well it depends on what it is, right? <laughs> like if it's something silly, yeah, that's like for me. I'm like, okay, I, I, I guess, you know, I've been so far removed. I haven't, I haven't been playing for a decade, so you forget what raw emotion feels like um, in a football game. But if it's over something dumb, I don't, I don't, I don't see the point because the referees aren't going to listen to you. But there's times that you gotta, you really gotta fight for your team. I give you an NBA analogy. There's times that you have to do it to get a tech to get the team going. I guess there's sometimes you got to do that with football. But if it's over something dumb, I, I don't, I don't see the point. So. So, Christian, Gordon has uh, picked your Utes to win by 14. Um, I Ooh. have not been as uh, committed Ooh. to a number, but I think the game's going to be close. So let's ask you, how do you think this game is going to go? Well, it lets, uh, is the Vegas line like six or seven? I'm sure. I think it's seven. Last time I saw Seven? It. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
this one's a this one's a tough one to pick, right? I like. Do you remember when Taysom went up on the road and they lost on the going for two yeah. and basically did a horrible block? Like no one would have thought they'd be in that game. My senior year in 2010, like BYU wasn't even supposed to be relevant. We block a kick to win. It's still a still a coin flip. I think I think Utah does win by ten. I do think they win by two two scores, but it will be a tight game. I think. I said two Very touchdowns, tight. so that could be twelve points. Yeah, you could be twelve. I think. I think. Points. I think. <laughs> you know, nine or ten points is, is probably the number. All right, yeah, yeah. So you kind of split the difference between the two of us. But what I mean, I heard Max Hall talking about it. You mentioned the Taysom play. It just seems like it's the, this game always comes down to one or two plays, and it's always tight. Uh, you know, basically, what is it? Going seven out of the of the seven out of the nine games yeah. in this streak have been really, really close. It's spooky, actually. Like I'll take you back to one, like. 2007, Utah was up on – Utah shouldn't have been winning. I think we were on an eight-game winning streak after we lost our first two Mount West games. Matt Asiata, I think – I can't remember if he was hurt that year. He anyway, was. He uh, was hurt that he year. Was, yeah. He was hurt that year, hurt his arm, hurt his knee, and then Brian was hurt. Uh, we were up We were up late. It was fourth and 18. We went to a prevent defense – Gave up a big bomb to Austin Collie. Harvey Younger runs it in for a touchdown. A game that legitimately was in the grasp of your hands, you blew it. So, um, you know, BYU has a way of doing that. It's just, it hasn't happened. It, has, it really hasn't happened since 2009 like that. So it's been 10 years. Um, so you wonder if it's going to be something like that. I hope it's a close game. I really do. Um, I just want Utah to win. It does make it fun. And look, predicting this game, it, you do so at your own risk. We're all just guessing, right? I mean, we're all guessing. Like, wh- who was it? Brian? K- was it Conachero, the kicker for Utah back in the 90s yeah, that yeah. bonked it twice? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, you know, Boink. it's like Utah had it in the back. Like, there's, and I think for me as a kid, I guess I'm giving a different perspective than a lot of this team at Utah isn't from Utah. But growing up the last 25 years, there have been some amazing rivalry games. And uh, going down to Lavelle will will be a really, really fun game. But there's been some amazing games up at Rice-Eccles. And so uh, I'm excited for it. It's going to be a a barn burner. I may stay up and watch it the whole thing every minute. Uh, I hope Kyle and them come out victorious. And uh, love Kalani, but need Utah to win. Ten straight, never been done. And then – a two-year break against Florida, and then some more games again. See, Gordon, that's how you know Christian has uh, lots of young children. The I may stay up because I feel like I'm in the same camp. Although I'll <laughs> no make how it. good I'll, the game I'll, is, yeah, you're not. Yeah, like I may it's make 830. it. Yeah, it is late. Games are hard. Oh, it's brutal. Yeah. I know because I'm usually going to bed at eight thirty, and that's when it's starting. <laughs> so I'm I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. Uh, Christian, hey, you're the best. Thank you for jumping on with us as always, and uh, we we always appreciate your insight. Good talking with you, Jake. See you, Gordon. See you. See you, buddy. Our friend Christian Cox, uh, former Ute, you know, setting a good example for everybody, in my opinion. He's he's a he's a good friend of ours, and it, and it's fun to have him on. He's he's just a great human. But I love Christian's story. I mean, what, another one of those you know walk on to all conference kind of stories that come along once in a while. And you know, had he not dealt with some neck issues, could have had a long NFL career. They loved him uh, with the Patriots, and he just earned everything he got. Couldn't be a nicer dude. Obviously, a hard worker and uh, extraordinarily thoughtful. Now that you said that, now I'm thinking of all those introductions, self introductions Christian did when he was interviewing people on our air. I don't know. It's funny. Christian Cox here. Had a cup of coffee with the uh, New England Patriots. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that what he said, Austin? Yeah, he, Did he have a whole string of did. those? Well, I thought his answer about connective tissue with the coaches was pretty interesting. He played yeah. for some great ones. I couldn't believe I, I, I shouldn't have th- forgotten Larry Wall's name because he's certainly a, a legend around here as and far it, as high school coaches go. But he played for some great yeah. ones. I mean, and it great. doesn't matter what level the coach is at. Yeah. If they got it, they got it. And if they get it, they get it. And it sounds like he had a... 
a whole bunch of them, which is to his benefit, yeah. obviously. I could not remember Larry's name. I knew. I was like, oh, Christian played for a great high school coach who he loves, obviously. So, anyway, uh, great stuff. It's Thank worse you. the older you get. You know, all the names you used to have on the tip of your – just always just right there. Yeah. You just sit there and go, oh, you can picture them and you can see them, but the name sometimes vanishes. Well, speaking of getting older and things that people deal with, see, there's a proper transition, Gordon. You know, just, uh, just hey, right into Andrew from Wasatch Medical Clinic. A lot of folks deal with it. Part of getting older, it doesn't have to be weird or pervy. Weird, we can just see, transition see, to the here's life. Here's the thing. It was never weird and pervy. It's just, it, it's just, <laughs> Jake, it's, it's like blood flow. It just goes right into the, into the, the, uh, the time for Andrew. Now I'm just one-upping my transition. I see how, I know no. this relationship with you and me. I know how it works. If you need to work on your relationship, that's what see now I'm one up in your transition. Yeah, see? Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. What's up, Andrew? Hey, that's right. Uh, we're talking about blood flow in this part of the body and the technology that Wasatch Medical Clinic uses to treat ED. Uh, really interesting stuff posted at our website, wasatchmedicalclinic.com. If you're struggling with erectile dysfunction, here's what one study did. They went out to a group of men and they gave them basically a sham treatment. So uh, they used a technology that had nothing in it. It didn't, didn't really do anything. They took a group of men and gave them our treatment. And they took x-rays after. They gauged the blood flow. And there were more blood vessels in the men that got our treatment. So uh, they compared them. And it's really interesting to see these studies come out showing this technology treats the root cause problem of erectile dysfunction. It's improving circulation. It's helping so many men turn back the clock in the bedroom. And pretty quickly, by the way, with just a few treatments over a couple of weeks' time. Let's see. So the Jazz opened up the preseason October 4th. You could be done by the time the Jazz tip off. You could be done. That is a great point. What would your relationship look like the first week of October if the ED didn't exist? Think back to 10 or 15 years ago, whatever it is, when things worked in the bedroom without having to plan with a pill, without stress, and with spontaneity. That is, as far as I know, our treatments are the only thing that can accomplish that. 801-901-8000. That is the number to call. Get on the schedule. Get in and see the doctor. And you always take great care of our listeners. Yes. If you're uh, wanting better intimacy, better performance, call us. You can, by the way, just take the free. It's totally fine with us. The initial assessment exam and blood flow ultrasound with our MD, no charge. And the gift that is very popular, I don't think I've ever seen it fail it produces immediate results in the bedroom. It's all totally no charge. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, guys. We'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned. It is The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is DJ and PK. Time to talk rivalry game with Dylan Cauley, the former BYU wide receiver. Does the streak end here? I believe so. I think it's going to be an extremely tough game, and it's going to be chances are the last second hoorah, but I firmly believe that the streak ends here. All right. That's what I want to hear, brother. Now, there's a lot of prayer and a lot of faith going into that and potentially some fasting, but I firmly believe that. How much does this streak bother you? Oh, it's bothered me since day one. I'm a big BYU fan. I'm not like a diehard hard of anybody or anything, but this will always be something that bothers me until it's broken. The only way to really crush all of that narrative is to end the streak this weekend. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Your home for the best college football coverage in Utah. This is your Cougars at 30 update on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Your Cougar 30 update. Here's Coach Satake if we was asked if uh, Utah is BYU's biggest rival. I don't think that's my job to define that. I think if you look at the fan base, they'll probably define it for you. I don't know if it's even appropriate to, to put it on Kyle or put it on myself to 
to define it for everybody. I'm just going to say we, we love playing this game. We love sharing the field with, with great opponents. We have a, a ranked, talented team coming into our house, and we're looking forward to defending our stadium. Both head coaches played for the great Lavelle Edwards. There's a lot of cool things going on in this game, and I'm not going to define whether or not different rivalries happen and all that stuff. I just think that the fan bases do it for the, for us already. So. Cougar update brought to you by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce, get a powerful IT partner, Syringa Networks. Call 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson, presented by Big O Tires, with the lowest price on every tire every day, with no credit needed financing options available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You want to complete uh, what's going on? Yeah, let's do that right now. Should we check in with DJ and PK? I thought uh, I caught this discussion live this morning. Uh, they talked about um, BYU winning another game, but uh, even the playing field as a program, is that possible? If BYU doesn't beat Utah now, when will they? Never. Never? I don't believe in never in sports. I don't care what you believe in. <laughs> well, I just want to be upfront. You want to be honest, right? You've been trying to share your beliefs Roasted. with me for like two decades. Oh, no, I really haven't. <laughs> I really haven't. Oh, you've been doing it in just, you know, kind of a roundabout ways. I see what you're trying to do. I know what uh-huh. you're up to. Uh-huh. I can sniff it out. I've been around long enough, buddy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm on to you. The way I look at it, they're not scared to play next two years, obviously, right? And I like that Mark Harlan said yesterday, they're our rival. I, I mean, I don't know why Kalani was not. Yeah, they're our rival. They're our biggest rival. I mean, why can't we acknowledge the truth? What's wrong with acknowledging the truth? I don't understand it. Yeah. This is their rival. Mark Harlan said it yesterday. I appreciate Mark Harlan saying what we all know. The game is good for college football. It is. That's I, what, Mark that's Harlan, what he when he said that yesterday, I wanted to hug him. <laughs> Because he's speaking the truth. The game is good for college football. Of course it is. That's why they broadcast it and they talk about it. And people everywhere who follow college football understand it. We've heard lots of people who've covered the game in one form or another reference it. After they see it once or twice, like, ooh. And I keep hearing, oh, this game does nothing for Utah. That's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. It does tremendous things. You beat your rival. Everybody knows. Throw the records out, blah, blah, blah. When you play the rival, there's more emotion and extra added incentive. It's a recruiting tool for the University of Utah. It's not the first. It's not the second. It's not the third. I don't know where it fits. But obviously, the Pac-12 and playing USC and the potential to go to the Rose Bowl is far bigger than playing BYU. I understand that. Mm. But it's also a recruiting tool. You come here, and you're going to have a game when we play down there and we beat them down there, which we always do. Who doesn't like beating someone in front of 65, 64,000 people who are cheering against you, and you got a smattering of fans up there in the corner? And you walk off. sweet. And you walk off holding nine fingers. Up. Yes. Yes. Right. I mean, it's Kyle's going to be needing toes here soon. <laughs> he's going to be taking his. She's going to be like he's in the islands. He's going to be taking his shoes off. Kyle and flip flops, wiggling <laughs> feet at people. I don't, know, I don't really want to picture that. That's a recruiting advantage. It's a tool you could use. And we had Nick Ford on, and the great thing about it, Nick Ford, uh, what would have been, what's today, Uh, Wednesday? So it would have been Monday. We have him on every Monday at uh, 7.30, right? It's a paid appearance, just like it is with Samson Nakua. We had one guy ask, why don't we have Aggies? I don't know. Talk to our bosses. They set it up, not me. I have no idea why we don't have Aggies. Uh, but this is a rival to Nick Ford, and it's not a conference game. None of these guys have played in this rival as a conference game. But yet Nick Ford comes on and says, I, I learned about it immediately, and I'm a Los Angeles area kid, right? My hometown, San Pedro, California. And 
He said he learned about it immediately, which means that everybody else learns about it immediately. So the point I'm making is it still carries weight, even though it has zero conference implications. That's a recruiting tool for Utah to use as they continue to go. Mark Harlan said it. He appreciates it. And I agree with him 100%. Now, back to the question, when are they going to win if not now? They're not scheduled to play in two years. From the BYU perspective, the thing that would be concern me if I don't get them now I believe the next time around in 2024, Utah will be a better program than they are today. They're getting their roster is getting better every year. Now, does that necessarily translate into more wins every year? No. What I mean is because you can have a great roster, but a lot of them can be freshmen like they were last year. So they're not ready to play at their highest level while they're in college. Two years ago, you had a ton of kids who returned and they were ready to play at their highest level, and they went down to Provo and basically controlled the entire game. But the more good players you have, the more likely they are to be spread across all classes, the less likely you are to have that kind of down year you're talking about. It can still happen with transfers and kids leaving early to the NFL. There are no guarantees. But the more kids you get, the more likely they are to be spread across classes. So I think it's imperative upon BYU to get it done because the task is going to get more difficult, not easier. But is BYU going to get better going into the Big 12 in three years? Will both teams be recruiting better at that point? So that offset it. Yeah, but the fact but is BYU, BYU has a gap to close. nine in a row. Right. BYU has so a gap clearly they're better. It's, there's, they're, it, they're your rival, but you've dominated the rival for a decade. Tommy says when Whittingham retires or BYU starts to land higher end talent. Seems to be the two areas that lead to a Utah W every year. I wouldn't count on him retiring as being an answer or there's going to be an inevitable decline. I wouldn't I don't see why. As I look at Utah and its place in the Pac-12 it's growing. It's increasing. It's not diminishing. So you, and obviously he's going to retire at some point. And I think Nick Saban turns 70 next month. I don't expect this man to be coaching when he's turning 70. And it's turn, he, his birthday's in November, so he'll always turn right at the last week or two of the season, regular season anyway. Uh, I, I don't expect that. He's Because he said that. That's why I don't expect it. I'm not giving any breaking news. He said it. And... I don't know that there's going to be an inevitable decline because their place in this conference is getting better. They're set up. They've got they've got so much going for it that few teams in the conference have. They are now, in terms of quality, maybe not in terms of fan base, but in terms of quality, they are the big dog in this state. Jeff says it's going to turn into one of those Cubs, Red Sox, drop things, isn't it? No, those got outrageous. A hundred years? Yeah, a hundred years. That's it. Doesn't happen in college football, isn't it? I don't, what did the Notre Dame Navy streak get? Because I think that was forty the time, something. Yeah, that was the record, right? And again, major disadvantage well, yeah, for Navy. There's only one Roger Stallback on the planet, and Navy still got him and ended the streak, and actually got him a couple times once they got him once. Yeah, but so much has changed for Notre Dame. Nothing is changing for Utah in the negative. It's growing. It's increasing. Dane says it'll change for BYU after they've been in the Big 12 for a few years and their depth and their talent in all positions has caught up. Will it catch up? I have my doubts. There you go, DJ and PK. I like the way PK said it, Jake. I mean, it's important to both teams, both schools, both programs. Uh, The whole idea that... Utah is now above this, and it doesn't really matter. No, PK hit that out of the park. He's exactly right. It's a tool. It's a recruiting tool. There's an awful lot of talent in this state. And if you're beating your rival, you're upping, no guarantee, but you're upping your chances to get some guys you might want. But will BYU ever catch up? That I don't know. I mean, there were people probably back when Lavelle was coaching BYU that were thinking Utah would never catch up. You know, I remember reading reports from people saying, oh, well, BYU has the money and Utah doesn't have the money and this is just going to go on. Because remember how desperate it got over that stretch, too. So uh, I agree with DJ. Uh, it, it, it shouldn't say never, not when it comes to sports, because these things can flip. But uh, I, don't, I can't predict when that's going to happen. I don't know if you're making some sort of chart I don't know where those lines cross. I don't think it's this year. Well, 
answer answer me a couple questions, and I, I think you're more prepared to answer. Maybe we get into this more in depth and we have more time. But what changed when what what did Coach Mack change uh, that made Utah better when he got there? Um, it was recruiting, but it was more than that, right? I mean. Well, it, when we talked to him the other day, remember he was saying how there was this sort of defeatist attitude, and he tried to lift that up. But uh, I, I think there was a there was a major change there where Utah took a step forward, right? I think uh, you know Urban tightened up the ship. Yeah. He put Max uh-huh. talent and took it to a new level. I think, think going Kyle's done a good job. Obviously, well, holding on to that. And then know. going to the Pac-12, I think, is another thing that yes. that benefited Utah and helped them take a step forward. So we see these this kind of progression with Utah. So. If BYU were to even the playing field, where would that progression come from? I think it's an interesting discussion because, you know, the Big 12 is in the news. Yeah. Uh, Those right. are fertile rec- but, recruiting grounds. But too, what, uh, I, it all comes down to this. How many of uh, guys is BYU actually missing on now? Because that's that's the unique part of this discussion is BYU is such a unique place. Their recruiting is not the same. But you know, they are missing on many uh, a bunch of the best LDS talent out there. They does are. the so does the Big Twelve going to the Big Twelve change that? Yeah, does you know what question. does name, image, and likeness change that? It might because now the money is in play more so than it was before. Yeah, look, so be, be, but but be I look for those not for everyone. It doesn't matter if you're LDS or not, Jake. I mean, it's not it's not for everyone. Maybe in the old days people saw it as the the best avenue to take, uh, but now there are so many things. Even if you are have a certain religious uh, angle to you. Uh, there are great opportunities at places like Utah and other other places that have LDS kids there that you can associate with. And, uh, you know, I, most coaches seem to be very accommodating in that way, even when it comes to missions now. So so that that dominance that BYU once had is, is no longer there. And the fact that the program hasn't been stellar over the last 10 years... Last year was uh, was maybe uh, the exception uh, with that schedule they had put together, but it's not like the Cougars have been soaring high. But I, and if they did that, then I think they would draw in more attention. You mentioned the Big Twelve, you know, Texas, uh, Oklahoma, that, that middle part of the country. There, there's some good talent there, and if you're making that part of the country a regular, a routine part of what you do then maybe uh, BYU would be a little more fortunate in grabbing some talent there. Well, I guess that was kind of what I was getting at because the, the narrative used to be, all right, well, you can go get a better football experience and still get an, NF, uh, an LDS experience somewhere else. That is true. So, so, the, so the point is, is if the football experience improves, which you would guess— Going to the Pac-12, that it will be improvement. How much is is big Big twelve? How much is debatable? But if the football is better, then you would assume they recruits the LDS recruits would prefer the ultimate LDS experience. the The narrative was they were going somewhere else because they could get a better football experience and still be able to to be the people they want to be. So if the football experience improves at BYU, how much does that impact things? But if you ask Bronco Mendenhall back on the day, back in the day, they didn't miss on anybody they wanted. So if that were actually true, then going to the Big 12 isn't going to make one bit of difference. Yeah, it's not true. We'll get to uh, the Not Sports Report next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. After a come-from-behind win on the road against the Washington State Cougars, the Aggies return to Maverick Stadium for a showdown against North Dakota. Catch all the play-by-play action beginning with Aggie pregame show Friday at 6 on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Your home for the best college football coverage in Utah. This is your Utes at 50 update on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Utes at 50 update. Here's Britton Covey talking about uh, if the rivalry uh, gets out of hand, um, if it's up to the teams to change anything about it. 
I think it's more the fans that kind of get into it. The players, like, there's nothing but respect. And I think that's when it gets easier to appreciate the rivalry in a different way, when you start to get to know players on the other team. When you're kind of looking at them as just a big entity like BYU football or Utah football, it's easy to kind of generalize it. When you start to get to know people like, oh, Devin Lloyd or BYU's tight end, Isaac Rex, who's a cool guy. You know, like, you start to get to know these guys personally, and it, it just becomes a lot less fiery. Subday brought to you by Football Friday, which is presented by Mountain Land Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainlandsupply.com. Check this out. And now, your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. show time for the not sports port brought to you by the lhm used car supermarket over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory check them out online lhmusedcars.com gordon where are we going today uh I, we're we're just going to uh the medical industry all right and jake uh, i'm going to require from you and austin absolute maturity on this story okay i don't want any cheap kind of jokes i don't want you giggling wait wait about- wait you have to hold yourself to the same standard, right? Of course. Of course. Remember, this is medical related. And remember, we're leading into Andrew. Yeah. Well, a surgeon by the name of Dr. I, I hope I'm pronouncing I'm probably pronouncing this incorrectly. Dr. Karan Rajan. He's a surgeon. He has warned that holding in gas could cause uh, that gas to re-enter your bloodstream and cause you problems. He says that passing wind, breaking wind, needs to be celebrated, not shamed. Whether you're in public or you're in private, it's okay. It's a natural part of the human process. And he says the average human breaks wind 14 times a day. He said, if you hold in a, you know what, too long, it uh, could have devastating effects on you. And he says this, he, he said this to his 4.2 million TikTok followers, but he said that uh, the average daily fart volume uh, is enough to fill up a medium-sized balloon. Apparently I can fart, but I can't burp. So, say, so what I'm saying here is the news for our listener is that if you need to, go ahead. This is a TikTok doctor? Yes. No, he just has a TikTok account. He's a, and has, he's a, and he's has a, millions he's a of followers. Yeah, so, he's so, a licensed surgeon. Yeah, so he knows what he's I'm talking automatically about. Automatically discounting this guy. Why? Because you have enough time to be some social media. You're not enough time being a doctor. All right. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna talk to Andrew from Wasatch Medical minute. Clinic here Wait in a minute, minute. and I Wait bet you minute. that their doctor Wait doesn't minute. have zillions of TikTok Wait followers because they got better things Wait. to do. We had a president who was constantly on social media. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a doctor. Is this Doctor Mike? Yeah. Right. Like, is that what his name is? No. It's yeah. a Karan, Karen Garin. Karen Rajan. And somebody made Doctor Phil uh, a doctor, uh-huh. and I'm not listening to that guy. <laughs> He's either. a surgeon. So. Somebody doesn't make somebody a surgeon. Just, I mean, there may be some bad surgeons out there. I don't know. But uh, I didn't have gastric distress. I just had a derivative. And you, you know, you had. I've told the story. I've I, I I let it out, as it were, about my bad experience in in the church that time, and and I felt bad about that. I really did. You should. But you still should. But after I read this from the good doctor, from I some thought quack Wait, on social this, media. This is, this is natural. And people are shamed when something like that happens. It's okay. Let it go. Let and, it fly. Andrew uh, Reinhardt joining us now from Wasatch Medical Clinic. Uh, Andrew, are your doctors busy, you know, practicing medicine <laughs> or are they farting around, so to speak, on social media all day? 
<laughs> as far as I know, the, we have three MDs here in Murray. I have not seen any social media from yeah. these guys. As far as I know, I don't think they even have accounts. They have better things to do, like being doctors. <laughs> well, this is what the doctor said, Andrew. He said digested food that isn't broken down is chewed up by bacteria that produce microscopic farts that accumulate and become <laughs> one of your regular farts. And so, mm-hmm. and so just like no one should – I don't want to make the direct uh, connection here between what you're talking about and what the doctor uh, that I'm reading here is talking about. But there's too much shame out there. It's okay. Just if you have a problem if, or if you have something going on with your body, celebrate it and, 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 and make, uh, make, fix it where you can, right? <laughs> y- yes. All yes. right. All right. See, <laughs> I knew we could – we could bring it back good, together. Good here. job, Gordon. Uh, <laughs> that whole that whole thing, really. I mean, I look. My transition stinks. All right. Oh, jeez. Let's keep those doctors busy, shall we, Andrew? Let's help some listeners. Yeah, we are helping a lot of guys. And uh, if you're out there struggling in the bedroom, if you're maybe contemplating the pill or taking the pill and not liking it, you may want to look at what Wasatch Medical is doing. I really believe this is the future of treating ED. The pills are going going to slowly fade away. When men realize they can repair the blood vessels in this part of the body, the blood flows naturally like it used to. Uh, Every guy can remember back in the day, things worked with no stress. You didn't have to think about it. When the timing was right in the bedroom, it just worked. That's what this technology, the wave therapy does. 50 clinical studies now. It's increased from about 44 or 45 just a couple of months ago. Heavily studied, safe and effective, and it's treating the root cause problem of erectile dysfunction. And the pill's been around for a long, long time, right? This was an area that was really due for a medical upgrade. Yeah, 1991, I believe, we started to see the pills come around, the commercials, all of that, and nothing has advanced since then. Uh, until now. And as a country, we kind of like throwing pills at an issue. We get instant gratification, but it comes with side effects. It comes with downsides. Our body builds up a tolerance to it. This treatment, we've treated a lot of guys. I've never heard of a side effect. I've never seen anybody in pain. Uh, There's no recovery time. You can come in on your lunch break, get a 10-minute session, and that is it. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. That is the number to call. Get in and see that, doctor, and uh, you do a lot for our listeners. Yeah, put a stop to your ED. Uh, call us now. You'll get the assessment exam and blood flow ultrasound free, uh, the gift that produces immediate results in the bedroom. There's zero obligation, by the way. It's all totally no charge. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, guys. David Locke joins the show coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The head coach of the University of Utah, Kyle Winningham. You've been doing this for a bit. You've coached in a lot of these rivalry games. To the point where, are you calloused or does it still feel a little different? Does this week still have a little special (laughs) meaning to you? It does have a little different feel to it. Now it's a different feel than it used to have, I can tell you that. It's not quite the same as when we were both in the Mountain West or the WAC and the game was at the end of the year. and had more of a true rivalry feel back then, but it's still certainly an intense game and certainly has the attention of the entire state of Utah. Hanson Scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.